Welcome to Junior to Senior, the podcast for ambitious devs who want to take their career to the next level. I'm your host, David Gutman. Today, I'm joined by Tracy Lee. Tracy, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. All right. So for folks who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. My name's Tracy. You can follow me on Twitter at Lady Leet. I am a Google developer expert for Angular. I'm a Microsoft MVP. I'm on the ArcGIS core team. And I generally love community-related everything. Um, also have a company called This.Labs. We're a team of, uh, of about 50 developers doing JavaScript development. So if you're looking for a job, definitely feel free to slide into my DMs. Awesome. Yeah, I bet we got a number of people who will take you up on that. Yeah, I think that's definitely something that that struck me about you is just how active you are in various communities. Well, that and you have an awesome uh, handle. I really, really like the Lady Elite <clears throat> username. But uh, what what attracts you to getting so involved in these different communities? How did that start? I think for me, it always starts with the desire to help. So if I see, you know, something that's not working out very well, I just, you know, want to step in, right? Like if I can. So a great example is, uh, you know, a lot of people ask me, like, how do you become part of core teams? Well, I wasn't really intending to become part of the core team. Uh, it was just at some point in time, you know, all my friends were RxJS core team members and uh, they just needed some help, right? Like I hear them talk and I'm like, Uh, you guys just need some help with these docs. Okay, let's figure it out. Um, So I started kind of getting a team together and kind of organizing people and, uh, you know, making sure that the meetings were good. And, you know, it doesn't sound like as fun as like contributing lines of code necessarily, but it's something Mm -hmm. that the team really needed Mm -hmm. um, at the time. And, you know, then I became a core team member. So that was really exciting. I think, you know, a lot of developers always ask, you know, how do I do this? How do I become the best developer? How do I build the best product? Like, what's the best side project I can do? And uh, I think the the best things that we always see that come out, right, the things that we, tip, we typically admire as developers, uh, you ask the people who created them and it's just like, look, I was just trying to solve one problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, so you don't have to think of the world when you think of like, you know, doing something, just think about what you're passionate about, because that's that's going to get you really far. Yeah, I I completely agree. And I've definitely seen that pattern a lot. Um, you can you can really go far if you just you concentrate on on like a single thing and and just try and do that, do that well. So the you know so so the the communities and the organizations and and things that you've helped with, um, you know that seems to have really come from like you say a, a desire to help. But I also have to imagine that that's there's also a lot of other benefits that you've you've gotten out of that as well. And part of the reason why why I'm bringing that up, you know, I, I know that it, it wasn't like a, a selfish thing. Is just that I think a lot of uh, listeners out there, I think, underestimate how much they can get out of helping and contributing to these um, communities, but also just like how, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I want to say simple, but um, I think a lot of junior devs may 
build it up in their minds that that it really takes a lot to be helpful like like kind of like you said like like they have to find like you know they got to do a lot of research they got to learn a whole bunch they got to learn you know languages really deeply or whatever the tool is to be able to add you know amazing new features in order to be help you know to be helpful and i think oftentimes like you say it it, it can be a lot more straightforward than that but i do want to yeah I, I think i want to go back to like so what what have you gotten out of it? I mean, I know, you know, helping people and that satisfaction, but like over, over the years, like, are there particular things that you can point to that, that you've, you know, gotten out of, uh, helping with particular communities? Sure. I mean, I think one of the things as a developer is, uh, you know, you making sure you're relevant within the industry, right? So, you know, being an ArcGIS core team member obviously goes, uh, you know, far. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I can't point to anything specific that I've gotten out of it. I mean, maybe like conference speaking, for example, you know, that, that's probably mm -hmm. one good example. Uh, you know, I, I started, you know, developing in Angular and I really loved it. So what I ended up doing was, um, you know, just starting to write blogs and, you know, sharing why I was excited about things, right? Like no, no true intention, except for mm -hmm. to honestly just, you know, have a place for us. So I can remember what the hell I was doing. Uh, but because of that, you know, I became a Google developer expert for Angular. And, you know, through that Google, you know, has a program where they pay for your travel to different places. Mm -hmm. So I was mm -hmm. able to like, you know, go mentor Angular girls and they paid for the travel and, you know, the flight in the hotel. And that was really awesome, right? So I'm able to have more opportunities like that. Uh, I think because I was in JavaScript, right? Like uh, Mark Hinkle, who was executive director of Node Foundation at the time was like, huh, you seem like you're involved in tech. <laughs> uh, do you want to come help with community relations for Node? And I was like, yeah, totally. Right. So, I mean, mm -hmm. I was doing that for a few years and, you know, that was definitely a job opportunity. Plenty of people, for example, uh, you know, there's Google developer groups and these are everywhere, probably in your local city and getting involved in those, becoming an organizer, just, just helping, right? Like just helping a little bit uh, is really amazing because you know, I, I've heard so many stories about Google developer group organizers getting jobs at Google because of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, you you really do underestimate. I mean, I can tell you even like just being helpful on Twitter, right? Like I, I remember like one of my first experiences, I was on Twitter at a conference, you know, just hanging out, talking to people, whatever. And, um, you know, a, a few months later, I tweeted that I was looking for a co-founder and somebody that had, you know, seen me on Twitter before at that conference, you know, reached out and we were co-founders for a few years after that. So mm -hmm. I think the possibilities are really endless, but it never started from a place of like, oh, I want to become famous or like, oh, I want, I want <laughs> to get, you know, free stuff or whatever. Right. right. Uh, so I, I would encourage everyone to just like do what they want you know, and what they're yeah. passionate about, because that's also where uh, sustainable things happen. Totally. Yeah, I had a hard time asking that question because um, because I I didn't it. I know that's like not why, you know, people 
people people who I know and I respect, like that's not why they get into it. But I think for a lot of people uh, out there listening right now, I do want to make some of the benefits a little bit more tangible, like because I I think I think just thinking about it in this like abstract altruistic way is is a, might be a little bit hard for for people. Uh, I think once you start doing it, you kind of recognize that like oh wow this like the connections that I'm making with other people really make me happier and make my life better. And then it kind of increases the surface area for, I don't know if I really want to call it luck, but it just, the number of like good things that, that you learn about and the events and opportunities that you have access to just dramatically increase. And I think you, you touched on something that I really liked, which was that you just get to meet really interesting, sharp, engaging people that that are really nice to have in your life. And you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to to meet them or be able to spend that much time with them otherwise. Like if you're not if you're not putting yourself out there and you're not you know becoming a part of these communities, you're not being helpful, it's much harder to develop those those relationships. So I tweeted out that I was looking for a junior developer that we were hiring. I got 500 resumes in one day, like from one tweet, okay? And, you know, I, I can tweet out that I'm looking for a, a mid or a senior, and out of one tweet, I get 50 resumes in. That's amazing. Right. But so then the question is, how on earth, <laughs> if there's one position for a junior developer, did I choose out of the 500 who I should talk to, Right. And, um, it was, it was that, you know, they were persistent or maybe they like did something that had something in their bio. Maybe they were a GDG person, Google developer group person, or maybe like one of my friends said, Hey, you know, I don't know this person, but they're really nice to me on Twitter. And, you know, maybe you should give them a chance, right? That's kind of how I fielded those, those resumes. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, those people move to the top of the list, right? So I think anything you do out in the community is really, really generally just beneficial for your career. Um, and I think there's definitely a trend right now for developers. Like there's this one girl, Catherine Peterson, and, you know, she just joined a few months ago and she has over a thousand followers now. And what's she doing? She's just like hanging out, talking about learning javascript like mm -hmm. that's all you have to do just say you're learning javascript and you'd be surprised how many people come chat with you and who are willing to you know just generally be helpful yeah yeah a hundred percent so uh that's super impressive and i think that's uh certainly i think some of the people listening to this are gonna want to take a closer look at uh your company if you're able to to hire you know if you've got that that many responses and you're able to be that selective with uh, the engineers. I'm sure you've got quite a few good ones. But the uh, I think the thing that I want to get a little bit further into is like, yeah, that's like when you do have to um, choose who to hire. What what is going through your mind? Because I think you know some people listening like this can clue them in to what areas they can uh, sort of invest in a little bit more. So yeah, what what do you really what do you really want when you're when you're hiring? Um, you're talking about for like junior positions, right? Uh, either, but we can start with junior. 
I think for juniors especially, it's the drive. It's like when you, so what we do is, you know, we try to create a more um, inclusive interview process. Some like it, some don't, but I feel like as developers, sometimes there's a lot of like social anxiety happening, right? So the -hmm. interviews, like in-person interviews just don't go as well. Like you just can't, (laughs) you know, it's difficult. So uh, we do a written interview as the first interview um, where we ask like a bunch of different questions, like, you know, what are your values? You know, how do you like working remotely, et cetera, et cetera. And then we do, um, if they pass that, we do a code interview. And then, you know, after that, then we do like a screening interview and then the sort of like technical interview in person, right? Or well, via via Zoom, basically. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really like that passion and that drive, right? Like you don't have to necessarily know what you're doing as a junior, but like if you doing a code exercise and, you know, it was really hard for you to, let's say, use GraphQL, but like you did your best, right? But you're like, you know what, but I'm really good at CSS and you make your code exercise amazingly beautiful. Mm. Like that's really going to stand out. So I think the developers who spend like more time on those code exercises, we usually give them about a week um, Mm -hmm. and just show what they do know. Right. That that really stands out. I mean, obviously, like still meet the base minimum requirements because otherwise you won't pass. But So that's one thing, Um, you know, I was talking to one of my friends the other day and he was saying that uh, the owner of this like hundred person consultancy, uh, he interviews every single person still. And he's just looking for like a that that cognitive leap, like the ability Mm -hmm. for a developer Mm -hmm. to be able to solve a problem. I think when people are doing those, you know, like everybody talks about like the, um, the thing interviews, right? Like, oh my mm-hmm. God, I'm going to have to write an algorithm, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in those interviews, and I think in all interviews, it's not necessarily about like, are you able to do this technically? It's more like, are you able to problem solve and show your problem solving skills in mm-hmm. a way that makes it so that you can solve any and all problems in code? And I think that's, that's the key. And... <sighs> I don't know. I mean, I think just being yourself, you know, I think sometimes when you're interviewing, it's all always like, oh, do they want me to say they like working with teams or do they want me to say they like want me to say that I like working independently? Like, if you if you say something just because you're being interviewed, you're going to end up in a situation that you actually don't want to be. <laughs> yeah, you're, there's there's two things that can happen. It, it's one, you're going to come off as sort of inauthentic and not genuine and not get the job. Or uh, you will come across as authentic and genuine. You're going to wind up in a situation that you're miserable in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. I think, yeah. I think uh, culture too, right? Like people, people who want to teach and learn, right? Like you don't have to be a senior developer to want to teach and learn and uh you know, be humble. Like those are all things we look for in our culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think humility is really important. That's a theme that I've been hearing a lot lately. I think that one's that's a really good one. So, okay, so so I want to I want to step back because one of the first things it sounds like you you ask for when uh, talking to a candidate is is values. Like what what are some really good 
answers that you've gotten in the past to to a question like that? Um, you know, we get things like I value work life balance. I value helping people. I value um, learning. Right. I value growth. Uh, those are all interesting. I think like you know everybody has values, and we're not like oh, if you don't value work-life balance, like you can't work here, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, you can tell by how people answer. You know, it's a, uh, interviews are important. It's, it's kind of like, I don't know, is it like dating? I mean- <laughs> I can definitely say that there are similarities for sure. <laughs> but like, you know, you can tell how much thought somebody puts. So we, we ask like, what are your top five values? And uh, if somebody just says, here are my five top five values, it's like, eh, okay. But some people write like, two paragraphs per value. I mean, yes, that's a little excessive, right? But the point is for somebody to get to know you and say like, okay, you know what? You're a good culture fit. So I would say don't don't rush on those things or think like, why is it not important? Like I think any interview you do is really important, not just for yourself. No, well, not just for the interviewer, but like also for yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because that, 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 that's almost like, going into communication too. I mean, especially because I think you, you know, you put a, a focus on written. Um, and then also, I think you you are largely or all remote. In my experience, written communication is wildly important. And then on top of that, you know, you're meeting these people for the first time. And so if the they're really limiting the amount of like information that they're giving you about themselves, that's not going to not going to help them. Like, because when you want to, when you're, you're about to hire someone, you want to feel like you really know them. Like you don't really want to feel like they're still like a, a mystery. Um, I'm really interested in values because I think a lot of the friction that I see uh, with developers on on teams can can be uh, mismatch in, in values. I think one of the ones that I see a lot is what I kind of you know these companies are are, are different than they used to be, but. Uh, Facebook used to really popularize the move fast and break things. And I couldn't imagine a more un-Apple-like culture that doesn't really release things until they're perfect. It's much more measure measure twice, cut once uh, type of deal. And I think some developers are are really kind of that, screw it, push it to production. We'll figure out you know what's wrong with it when the users tell us. And there are other developers where uh, no, like we are going to absolutely do it right because we're not going to have a second chance if a if a user, you know, finds the bug. They're not going to come back, and they're probably not even going to tell us. And you know, you can look at like I think both of those are completely valid. I think I'm actually, you know, personally, I'm much more on the uh, the the move fast um, and find out later side of things. But there's huge value in in depending on the industry uh, and being, you know more more careful uh, and if you're one type of developer and you are working in a different type of company that's going to be a lot of friction constantly well I'll, I'll give you i'll give you two examples so um, the first example is this guy he we interviewed him he was so smart he had literally just graduated from a boot camp right mm -hmm. but like so smart mm -hmm. talking about web standards like just wow but you know, he, there were, there were two things that were wrong. Number one, he only wanted to work on the cool things. Like he only <laughs> wanted to be in like the cool, whatever, working on the latest browser standards, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Like, 
okay, well, I'm sure there's a job for you out there. <laughs> and then also wanted to get paid a hundred thousand dollars graduating right out of, right out of school. And like, we're like, well, that's not realistic in our area, but you know, he, he, he kept at it and um, he did find that job and they did pay a hundred thousand dollars. And they did like that. You know, he was like super geeking out on all these like browser standard, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, good for him. Right. I mean, <laughs> good for anybody that can do that. Mm -hmm. And there's another guy, which, you know, we, we interviewed him. He made it all the way through the, uh, the interview process and his code exercise. It was like, wow, this guy is like, so it's almost like academic, like how mm -hmm. he approached development. Right. So we're like, yeah, he's definitely senior. But then when we we're talking to him, we realized that like, you know, we're a consultancy. So, you know, you kind of have to like, like the fast paced situation, um yeah. we realized that like he really actually worked better on a product team and it would actually really stress him out if he was like being moved across projects you know every three months changing teams etc cetera, etc cetera, because he wanted to go deep um so we didn't end up working with him but i referred him to another company so that's another thing right like if you get rejected yeah. for some reason like you can definitely ask for referrals i referred him to one of my friends and um they loved him, but <laughs> after the code interviews, they said, uh, you know, he likes to do things the right way. He's not willing to be fast. And, you know, like, just like you said, move fast and break things. Mm -hmm. um, and they're a startup. So, you know, they ended up not hiring him. But he's a great developer, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no. I think it's probably tempting for people to think that, that it's just this one dimensional like axis, right? You got on one side, you know, muggles who know absolutely nothing about development. And then you, you know, max out on the other side of axis is like the best, you know, engineer ever. And it's like, that's super not, <laughs> it could not be farther from how things actually work. Like the, the there's no, there's no inherent value in any particular developer because you've got companies that are all super different and require different things. And the and the best developer ever for Google on on one of their, you know, amazing long term projects is going to probably be horrible for a lot of startups that are just trying to move super fast and find product market fit and things are on fire and they're just trying to spin as many plates as they can. Um, so it, it comes down to the, to the environment of the company as much or even more to the, to the inherent skills of, of a developer. And I really like, I really like what you mentioned too, uh, about the, the product versus, I don't know if you'd call it consulting, uh, or like project based work that a, a lot of agencies deal with because i think i'm much more um you know i never really until i guess my own consulting company but that's that what we do is pretty different but I, you know i always was more on the, the product side but i like going from project to project all the time and so for me just hearing you say that where someone would get burned out you know getting moved every three months like my heart like liked that like I could just feel it in me. I'm like, ah, oh, that sounds like amazing. Um, and that's why I gravitated towards more like R&D roles and things like that. But um, yeah, there's plenty of people where 
if you hear that, like if you hear like, okay, and you're going to get moved every three months to a new project and your heart just like sinks, like don't, don't take that as a like, oh man, I got to get better at that. Like that's, that's the key to getting that job. It's like, no, don't <laughs> like, don't, there's plenty of other companies. Don't, don't feel that like you are bad because you're not a good fit or you don't want to do that. I mean, I think another thing that I, it makes me really sad when I see this on the internet, but like so many people are like, oh my God, my employer was X, you know, it's like, it's almost kind of like talking about like an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend, right? Like, of course <laughs> you're going to talk crap about them because you obviously didn't fit, but you know, the people like your employers, your managers, whoever, you know, your team members, uh, maybe you didn't fit because you know, it just wasn't a good fit and that's okay. Mm -hmm. They're not bad people. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like same thing, right? Like, are we terrible humans for like having projects and needing to move across projects? No, but like, <laughs> you know, we had a person join our team and he was on a project for an hour and that hour, like for some reason stressed him out so uh -huh. much because he felt so much ownership to that project. And, you know, he unfortunately ended up leaving and we're like, wait, what? But, you know, like, are we terrible humans for doing that? I mean, we didn't know. And I yeah. think he didn't know either. And, you know, that's okay, too, right? Like, that's the point of finding positions that, like, work for you. Like, you will find that position that works for you. Mm -hmm. And I think it gets easier with time, unfortunately, or fortunately. I can't decide. Uh, because, you know, when you're, when you're newer, you haven't experienced as many things. And so you haven't really you don't have that kind of personal data to know how you feel about different stuff like if you've, if you've never had sushi before you probably won't have a good opinion about whether or not you like sushi and and so it, it you know it becomes easier with time and then i guess the other confounding thing is that your tastes are probably going to change over time you know you might just get sick of long-term product uh and you may want to move to a faster paced more uh, you know, variety oriented role. And, you know, I guess you'll, you'll, you'll have to figure that out as well. So, um, okay. So, so we talked a little bit about, um, junior developers. How does that, how does that change when you are looking for senior developers? What are you, what are you looking for then? Well, uh, you know, every company is different. Uh, for us, when we look for senior developers, we look for people who, well, actually, I feel like with all the mid and senior positions, like we are looking for people who do like to mentor, who, you know, kind of believe in the 10x mentor, not the 10x developer. Mm. Um, so, so people who want to uh, teach others, right, like is really important to us, to our culture. And um, for us, we're not just looking for straight technical talent uh you know we balance that as well with you know does this person is this person good at talking to other people right like how do they think about it do they have some project management skills so we mm -hmm. hire on both ways right but mm -hmm. i think uh you know don't this is this is kind of like why i actually really like people who transition into tech because a lot of times they bring these amazing 
project management skills or leadership skills for, you know, being a manager somewhere else or whatever it is, or being mm -hmm. organized somewhere else. And, you know, they might not have the strongest technical skills, but they, you know, they shine because they have all these other skills. So, um, you know, I think that's another big thing that we look for. God, what do we look for? Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, it's just. Is it a, is it a, you know it when you see it type of deal? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I, I guess if you go to the code exercises, we're looking for like, like don't be sloppy, you know, like mm. a code exercise. I think some people are like, oh, I have to do this BS code exercise. And so, some code exercises are BS, right? But like for us, we're like, hey, you know, build this uh, GitHub search app, right? Mm -hmm. And um, that's not just testing like, hey, can I do it? But it's like, how do I think and solve about problems? Again, it goes to solving problems. I think when we hire uh, mids and seniors, we are looking at how do they solve problems? How do they approach it? You know, one thing we look out for is like, is that person going to just basically take it all on their own and spend 80 hours in one week trying to solve the problem? Mm -hmm. Now that works really well for startups. They want you. But for us, we don't want that, right? <laughs> so Yeah. I'm reminded of um, like it's almost almost related to it, it. Part of what you're talking about, I feel like, is is related to empathy in in a way. In that, oftentimes need to be able to put yourself in either the user's shoes or your teammates' shoes. You need to be able to see a little bit from their perspective before you do your next thing like if you can't really predict how something's going to make a user feel or a teammate feel um it's going to hurt your ability to work with them you know in in either in either case and the other thing that i'm reminded of um uh, when you're talking about uh, liking people from other industries, which I've heard a number of times from people I've had on the show. So I think that's a, a really good one. And I think I think a lot of people listening to the show um, also come from other uh, industries. So probably good for them to to hear this as well. But yeah, the the the, the skills, the technical skills that you 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 have as a developer, um, those are that's like learning to use particular tools you know much in the same way that you would in the in the real world it's like okay cool now i know how to use a cnc machine and a lathe and you know a you know vacuum form uh i don't even know why i bring up metaphors like that that's not my world i probably sound like an idiot but you know you learn to do these things but that's not going to help you create something like you you would actually have to know like oh okay this is the this is the thing that I could make that will help this other person. And that requires a little bit of empathy of knowing like, okay, well, what would actually help them in their, in their life? Um, and the thing that, that, that it reminds me of is, is our field kind of like some of the other ones wind up in trouble in organizations because uh, people often get promoted based on their technical skills to leadership or management positions that then require completely different skills that they haven't developed uh, in the course of of that discipline, right? I think lawyers have a have trouble with this. Uh, you wind up just getting promoted because you're the best lawyer, but not necessarily because you're good at organizing uh, a team, you know, to put together, um, you know, a trial or something like that. And so you wind up in, in situations there. And of course, it's very common in in engineering 
And I think a lot of companies have wised up to this and, and recognize that there are two different tracks and, and neither of them is, is better than the other. And oftentimes the individual contributor track even pays better. But it's, it's different skills that need to be developed. And I think if you come from a different industry, uh, you tend to have an advantage because you did have time, often did have time to, to build up those skills. Well, I mean, it's, it's really about where you want to be, right? Like, I, I feel like this happens, especially with women who are, you know, extroverted. For example, there was this apprentice that was interviewing with one of our clients for a position. And the first thing he says is, have you ever thought of Devra? Like after five minutes of talking to her. And I had to be like, no, she's really interested in more of the technical stuff, mm -hmm. right? So, mm -hmm. you know, you really have to be honest with yourself about where do I want to be? Um, I think, you know, when people, so, <laughs> you know, I feel like in the development world, people just want to, you know, most developers just want to code. So when there is like, oh, you can manage projects too? Like, yes. Um, but, you know, the advice I always give is, well, you know, make sure you draw a line in the sand. It's okay. You know, your your manager should respect that. And if they don't, you just don't want to end up like three years down the line and be like, well, I started off as a junior developer and I still am a junior developer, but like I'm managing projects because mm. like, is that going to get you? I mean, that's okay if that's the path that you're okay with. But if it's not the path you're okay with, then make sure to be, you know, really intentional about the things that you do accept doing and make mm -hmm. sure to push back where you, where you need to, uh, because, you know, developing your skills as a developer, I feel like if that's your desire is really important to continue doing. Yeah, that the, I, I think you said a key word there, which is, is being intentional. And it's, it's also because the, what you work on is that's where you're that's where you're growing right it's like you don't you don't get that time back you can't just be like you know reset your your character sheet and be like nope i'm gonna like you know spec these skills instead this playthrough and it's like no like you you spent that time doing the project management not spending that time leveling up your development skills and you can't you can't undo that so you do have to be a little bit more uh, like you said, intentional about where, where do you wind up, you know, where do you want to end up um, and and kind of almost like work backwards, you know. So if you if you really do want to be that, I don't even know what the, the highest um, individual contributor titles are anymore, but like principal, staff, distinguished engineer, architect, if that's if that's where you want to end up, uh, you do have to be careful not spending so much time doing projects management some of those skills will will be important uh, I think I think individual contributor roles do benefit a lot from having some of that that management leadership experience so it's not completely devoid of that but yeah you don't want to just keep doing project management it's very easy to lose your technical skills if you're not using them as well um, but you know I mean I think uh, I mean I try you know I know that I'm not perfect, but like, you know, two of our, two of our architects, for example, one of them is okay. You know, he's like, okay, I'll, as long as I'm doing 50% code, I'm good. I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. that's great. We're going to make sure you always do that. Right. And, you know, 
I wouldn't have said that if he hadn't just told me. And uh, there's another architect who like, oh my God, I would want him to manage so many projects and all these things (laughs) and like manage people. But like, he's like, I'm cool with like supporting, but like, I don't want to do it a lot. So we're Mm -hmm. just like, okay, cool. Can you do this for three hours a week? And, um, you know, I mean, they they probably would somehow get into unhappy situations if they just weren't really upfront with me about what made them happy. Right. And I think uh, your manager, if they're a good manager, wants to keep you. (laughs) Yeah. So like, I mean, I love, I don't know why I love going back to relationships, but it's the same thing, right? Like, don't just wake up one day and walk out, like have conversations. (laughs) Communication. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. And I, I do understand the fear, right? Because and, and I think you said this a little bit in the, in the interview stage, too. It's like, well, what do they what do they want me to say? Like, I want to make them happy. Like, I don't want to be like, no, I'm not doing management. And then fearing that they'll be like, well, OK, well, that's what we need now. So bye. But that's, you know, if you're doing if you're doing a good job and the feedback that you're getting and hopefully you are having regular one on ones or at least something that gives you constant feedback about how you're doing, if that is all going well, you have a lot of room to, it's a little hard, hard, too hard of a word, but like negotiate the bounds of where your, where your time goes. Like that is going to be probably pretty flexible if, if the feedback that you're getting is, is good. Now, if you're constantly getting not great feedback about how you're doing, I think that flexibility will be significantly diminished, but if that's the case, you got other things to work on. <laughs> well, you know, I think managing up is a huge thing too. Like, I think no matter what level, you need to manage up. Like, uh, I'll give you a good example. Like this one guy, uh, you know, he's always asking like, how am I doing? How's this? How's that? Like, he's communicating so great. Oh, everything must be great, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it turned out that it wasn't. And he like straight up just wasn't showing up for work. But like... <laughs> But he was really good at managing up so he could hide it for a while, right? <laughs> um, so that's like one example. Um, another example is somebody doing so well, like they're just killing it, but like they don't say what they're doing. And, you know, mm. that's, you know, then they don't get the promotion. Then people mm. don't think they're as good as they are, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, it's really important to do that. I think also, especially as a, well, especially as junior and mid developers, you have to communicate when you're stuck on things. Don't go down that rabbit hole, like speak up, talk about what you're working on. Because if you, you know, if you don't like most problems, we've, you know, some, you know, this happens all the time. Like a junior developer will find a problem and, uh, you know, maybe they'll spend eight hours on it. And it's just like, well, that was like a 10 minute fix. Mm -hmm. So like, if you don't speak up, you're not going to learn as fast. Right. So, I mean, especially yeah, so, in this day and age, yeah. it's like communication is everything. Communication really is everything. Um, and, and I do, I, I guess, like people hear that a lot. And I always want to just get a little bit uh, more concrete. And so in this case, that communication of, um, hey, I've been working on this for a while. I just want to like pick my head up and make sure that this is really the direction that I should keep keep going. And there. I can I can understand that I think oftentimes there's some fear there. You know, junior developers, maybe even mid developers, they don't want to 
publicly admit that they're failing because they're going to be fear like that it's like oh no like i'm just admitting that i can't cut it you know but uh but on the other side the managers and seniors are like dude they're not asking for help what the Mm -hmm. hell like Mm -hmm. that actually makes them a worse engineer because they're not getting the help they need so Mm -hmm. do you have a good way of defining the balance because i know also you know companies won't will respond really negatively to a junior engineer that's constantly distracting the the senior engineers from their work and like asking too many questions. Like, do you have a good way of, of drawing that line? I think over communication is everything because, you know, if, if you're a junior developer and you're working on a problem for half an hour and you still can't figure it out and you go to your person and they're like, you know, you know, you'll probably do that, like, let's say five times. But if you do that, and it's like, so easy, I think you'll also be able to gauge like, oh, you know what, these are too easy of problems, like, let me spend like an extra 15 minutes on it, or an extra hour on it. Or the person you're going to will probably say like, hey, you know, do x, y, and z. So I think also, probably as a junior, like asking how to fish, and learning how to fish, not just getting the answer is going to be really important. Um, And (laughs) there's good senior developers and bad senior developers. (laughs) And um, the best ones are the ones that care about the mentorship. You know, they might be busy, et cetera. But I mean, especially in the corporate world, you do find people who just like, dude, stop bugging me. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think probably communicating up to your manager, like, hey, I'm not getting the support I need. But I also always encourage juniors and mids to well and seniors but like as you're learning things that aren't documented within the organization and somebody's teaching it to you you should just document it and uh, yeah so important right and and like maybe that becomes part of the formal process within your organization and you're adding a lot of value but you're also decreasing a lot of the stress of you know seniors needing to support like you know maybe an onslaught of juniors Um, Mm -hmm. And you're showing value, like you should say you're doing that and you're showing value to your manager. Yeah, I think I think visible visible output is really important. And I think a mistake a lot of people make is that they think the only type of visible output output is, is a like a working feature or like a landed commit. But documentation, um, you know, like writing up what you tried, what sort of obstacles you ran into that is valuable output and i think i think one of the things that that can kind of combat really bugging and distracting senior engineers is is being conscious about what you are requiring or or um asking them to do and so you can kind of do more of a regular status updates where you're like, all right, I'm still working on the bug. This is what I've tried. Uh, that didn't work. So now I'm like doing this. And and a senior doesn't need to be like completely interrupted to be like, hey, tell me what to do. Um, but they can sort of just check in periodically and then say, and then eventually at some point be like, whoa, 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 okay, time out. You're like really going way out to see. Let me, let me like rein you back in here and kind of show you what's going on or you know they don't and they they let you continue to explore but at least they're not completely in the dark or surprised like you say eight hours later um or a week later that you know you've gone so far afield yeah it's totally weird right it's like 
you know, you can actually be a junior developer and be doing exactly the same thing. Yeah. And, you know, if you don't communicate what you're doing, even if it's just status updates, people are going to be like, wow, they actually really suck as a developer because they're obviously <laughs> not doing anything. They only yeah. did one PR this week. That's all I saw from them. Yeah, the, the iceberg. Right. But if people see like, hey, by the way, I ran into this. Hey, I'm doing this. Hey, by the way, I'm, I'm doing this, whatever. You can still do one PR and people will be like, but dude, they were they were working hard. Like they yeah. were learning. And what was the difference? The only difference was the fact that you communicated through the process. Yeah, visible, visible output. And and it's possible to do it without being needy. I think I think I think that neediness is I think what people react to negatively. And you don't you don't need to do that. So I think a lot of people would be fearful of like, well, I don't want to bother them. They're really busy on important things. And it's like, okay, well, there's a middle ground. Like you don't you don't need to be needy, but you can also show that that visibility. Yeah. And don't be afraid to be needy. Like you can tell, right? Like yeah. I mean, be needy and be annoying until you can tell people are annoyed and then like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I like that. Uh, walk the line. Uh, Tracy, this has been great. Where can people find out more about you online? Well, um, you can, again, follow me on Twitter at Lady Leet and um, we're hiring. So you can always slide into my email if you like. It's Tracy at this dot. T H I S D O T dot C O. Um, or you can check us out at thesaltlabs.com. Perfect. I'll put all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, folks, that's it for today. I'm David Gutman, and I hope you join me again next time for Junior to Senior. Recruiting at tech events can be one of the best ways to find and hire senior software engineers. Unfortunately, it's easy to make simple mistakes and wind up with no leads. Grab my free 12-point recruiting checklist to maximize your sponsorship investment at superstruct.tech slash event recruiting checklist.